So today we are starting a new series um, as we are looking at the life of, of King David. And, uh, you know, as we look at this, there are many prominent biblical characters that we can see throughout uh, the whole story of the Bible. And David is one of the more popular ones. Um, and as we go through his life through these next several weeks, we'll see um, some of the, the, these really popular times in his life. And, and we're going to look at some other events in his life that, may, that aren't quite so popular or don't get quite so much press. But uh, we're going to kind of go through, um, again, the, the different events of his life. Um, but as we do that uh, through these next several weeks, um, I, I definitely want to just lay the foundation for who David is, where he lands in the story of Israel. Um, and so as we start off this morning, I want to start off with just um, a brief overview of Israel's history. Where does David land in the midst of this? Because it's easy to get these, all of these names kind of mixed up and like, well, where does it really land in the timeline of the Old Testament stories? Um, so if we, we start out, obviously, in Genesis and, and, and Adam and Eve, and, and we go through Noah and the flood, and then after Noah, then the, again, the people spread out, and then we have, uh, you know, God, um, the Tower of Babel, we have different languages, and they, they spread out throughout the earth. They, and then, uh, you know, then start all of these different nations. Then we have, with, um, then we have the nation of Israel that, that is, is centered on Abraham. And God creates a covenant with Abraham and tells him that he will make him into a great nation and, and sets Abraham apart. And him and his family, right, um, is what grows into eventually into the nation of Israel. And so we see, again, we see all throughout the Old Testament this, this phrase of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They, and and uh, again, we, we see that these are, again, prominent guys that that uh, Abraham and his son Isaac, and then his son Jacob, they, and, and we see, um, again, all this play out, and this covenant continues to play throughout the generations of these fathers and sons. They, and then, though, after, um, again, we see how um, after Jacob, right, he has these 12 sons that become the, the 12 tribes of Israel. They, but even as, as we look in that, that even that story is a little bit rocky because, um, you know, the sons don't get along very well and, and all this. And one of the sons, Joseph, is, gets, gets um, sold into slavery by his brothers. And, he, and it's because of Jacob or, or because of Joseph that all of the nation of Israel ends up in Egypt. Right? And God uses that time and, and takes them into to Egypt through this time of famine and protects, and, and, uh, you know, protects this nation. They, and then from there, they grow into a really strong nation in Egypt to the point where, uh, where after Joseph dies and on their descendants, they become this point where like, okay, God says, hey, I need to get them out of Egypt. And then God uses a leader named Moses to get them out of Egypt. They, and then Moses literally leads the entire nation out of Egypt. And, and that's the story of the Red Sea. And they, they leave from Pharaoh and out of Egypt. And then they wander in the desert, right, for 40 years. Okay, because of their disobedience, because of their sin, and because of many different things. And then Moses passes the, the leadership baton to Joshua. Okay, and Joshua um, then uh, leads Israel into the promised land. 
Okay, and at the end of this wandering through the desert, right, then Joshua leads them and they, they start to take over this promised land, a journey that they should have taken them just, I mean, a few weeks under Moses, ended up taking them, you know, an entire generation and 40 years, 40 plus years before Joshua leads them. They conquer the promised land and they settle in the promised land. And this, again, establishes them as God's holy people, as his nation. And Israel was supposed to be set apart. They were different than every other nation in the fact that, that God was their king. They, they did not have an earthly king. In fact, this was even a foreshadow of even now when we look at our time in, in, in post-Jesus time. And again, we see Jesus say, you know, my, my kingdom is not of this world. Again, he is the king of all kings. And yet, right, he's not an earthly physical king. And Israel was set apart from the beginning Right, as they uh, set up into the promised land as a nation that was different, right? That they had a, a, a heavenly king. Right now, during this time, as they settled in the promised land, um, but yet, as we all know, this, this nation needed leadership and God was their leader, but yet they, um, God rose up people um, who had a, a special connection to God, okay, during this time of no earthly or human king. And these people were called judges. And the judges led the nation of Israel for, for many years. In fact, when we can read the writings and stories of the judges and those different things in the Old Testament, okay, because God was their king and they were a nation that was set apart. Okay, then we see, though, as the people became restless, and, and just like so many times that we do in our world even today, we, we want to be like everybody else. right? We want to fit in. And so the people of Israel started asking God and demanded an earthly king. And God grants their request. And again, God in his wisdom, I don't know why he did that, but he did. He granted them a request for an earthly king. And so um, God raises up the first human earthly king for the nation of Israel, okay? And God anoints this man named Saul. Okay? And Saul was the first earthly king Okay, of, of Israel, he led Israel, and, and again, at that point, he was a, a godly man, and he led them, again, um, you know, with God still being their ultimate king, but Saul, uh, again, led them as the first human king leader of Israel. But Saul, um, again, like many people, right, the power kind of went to his head, okay, and um, the, you know, the victories that God brought them were many, Right? And he was, became very wealthy and powerful and all these things. And, and Saul fell away from God's blessing on him and on the nation of Israel. Which is where then we get to David. And, and where we are now, because David is now the king that takes over from Saul. And that is where I want to start here today as we get to David. And I'm going to start with this verse out of Acts Okay, chapter 13, verse 22. Now, um, again, this is in Acts where it's kind of telling the story of the Old Testament and into this, and it tells it back where it says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Okay, so again, Saul gets replaced. And in fact, it wasn't just Saul. I mean, it was also, right? I mean, again, earthly kings, right? Is, is, it's the family line that takes over the leadership. And, and so it wasn't just Saul that was punished in this situation. Even all of Saul's descendants, right, get punished because of Saul's 
sin and because of him falling away and, and by God replacing him with David. And we see here in, in this, this is one of the, of the two verses that, that use this title for David, which is a man after God's own heart. And you see, again, that's the, the, the subtitle, right, of this series is after God's own heart. Because that is, again, what set David apart. And that's why we focus on David in so many things. And, and as we will see through this series, David's life was one of incredible miracles and incredible blessings. And God's power came through his life and his leadership in, in amazing ways. Okay, but we're also going to see that David was not a perfect person either. Okay, and there were times in his life that he struggled. There were times that he made sinful choices. I said, we're going to see those things as well and learn from his experiences. But as we see, again, this is the foundation for this series as we study the life of David, right? That he is a man that God chose, that God anointed to be, to take the place of Saul as the second earthly king of Israel, Right? And why he was chosen was because God looked at him and said, he will do everything I want him to do. And I don't know about you, but for me in my own faith journey is like, I hope that God can look at me and say, he's going to do everything I need him to do. Right? And, and so again, we're going to learn about not just the heart of David, but also how can we have that same heart. Right? And how can we fulfill everything that God has called us to? To do, And so as we uh, start this journey together, um, we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And so if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16. If you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles in the seat pockets you're, you're uh, welcome to use. And you'll notice on the outline in, in the bulletin are the page numbers or where you can find um, this passage in those Bibles. And so we're going to read today from 1, 1 Samuel Chapter 16, um, and we are going to start at uh, verse 1. So this is, again, where we are at. This is where, um, again, the, the God's blessing right, and anointing is moving from King Saul over to King David. This is, again, where he, David, comes onto the scene. He's, this is where he is first introduced in Scripture. Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting at verse 1 where it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. Okay, now I want to pause right there. We're going to go back to the story, so keep your Bible open to 1 Samuel 16. Okay, we're going to go back there, but I want to pause because there's a couple things we need to, to look at and address before we move on. Okay, first off is the, the man that's kind of that is at the center of not just Saul's story, but as well as plays a big role in David's story is this man named Samuel. Okay, now as we see again, God spoke to Samuel. Samuel is a prophet. Okay, now a prophet was somebody that God speaks through, okay, in the Old Testament. And so the, a prophet was somebody who had this, this special connection to God and that God would speak to 
right, through, through the Holy Spirit, and then their job was then to, to um, pass on the message, whatever God gave, right, to, to whoever it was for, whether it was to the king or the entire nation or whatever it would be. Okay, so Samuel is the prophet, okay, that is here. Again, in the Old Testament, um, the Holy Spirit was not given to every believer the way it is today. Okay, and in this phase of an earthly king for Israel, Samuel acted as the top advisor to the king because he was, again, the connection between the earthly king and the heavenly king, God himself. Right? And so God would speak through Samuel. And so he was a, a top advisor for King Saul. Okay, he, was, he was somebody, again, that had an ongoing relationship with Saul. He knew Saul. Okay, and this, this was, again, as you see even in this passage, as he says to God, he's like, God, I can't do that because I know Saul and I know what he'll do if he knows what I'm doing. Right? And, and again, as we see, again, that Samuel had to do some really hard things for God. This was not the first hard thing that Samuel had to do. Okay, Samuel had to speak judgment against Eli, his mentor, who basically taught him how to hear from God. Okay, um, Samuel also had to deal with Saul on many occasions, and as he was uh, drifting away from God and, and being more and more sinful, okay, is that Samuel had to deal with Saul in some good situations as well as some bad, and he had a close relationship with Saul. In fact, we can look at these, these last few verses in, of chapter 15. Look back at 15 verses 34 and 35, right, which kind of sets up now this story in Samuel 16. Okay, where it says, then Samuel went home to Ramah, and Saul returned to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him, and the Lord was sorry he had ever made Saul king of Israel. Okay, this was the setup for David showing up in scripture, right? Is that they had a close relationship, and yet, as God, the more upset God became with Saul, the more tension grew between Samuel and Saul. Okay, to the point, again, where they literally split ways and never speak again. Okay, and you can tell, though, here is that Samuel really struggled with this. Right? And then here in the next verses, right, God tells Samuel, hey, now go to this new place and anoint me a new king. And by the way, this king is, has no relation to Saul. Right? And, and again, Samuel's going, but, but Lord, Saul's going to hit the ceiling. Okay, this is not going to be a good situation. Right? But yet God says, hey, I'm gonna, this is my plan. I will protect you. Here, go and do this. Right? And then there's this, um, this very important phrase right, that we see here in the beginning part of verse 4. Right? And that is that Samuel did as the Lord instructed. Right? Even though this was hard, even though it was something that he didn't want to do, as God tells him, Saul's time is over as God's leader, and now I'm going to do something new. I know that it's hard and it makes no logical sense to you, but we need to move on. Okay, and so then Saul gives us kind of the first thing we learn about that we will see from David, but we first learn it from Saul, is that your true devotion to God is shown through obedience. Your true devotion to God is shown through obedience. Did Samuel want, it, want to do this? No. He didn't. Did it make sense to Samuel. Is this something that Samuel was like, hey, I know what I'm going to do today. Right? I'm going to pass the entire anointing and leadership of an entire nation onto just some random kid. Right? No, that was not on his list to accomplish. But yet, that's exactly what God told him to do. 
right? And then he did exactly as the Lord instructed, right? Is, which is what we see in the beginning part of verse four, right? Is his obedience showed where his true devotion lies. And that was to God. Now, again, he had loyalty to Saul. He had this relationship with Saul, right? He wanted to see the nation of Israel thrive. And yet God asked him to do something that didn't make sense. And it was really hard. And he did it. He did what the Lord instructed. And again, sometimes the instructions that God gives us don't make sense. Hey, and, and in fact, there's, there's usually no shortage of people in our lives that want to remind us that what you're doing does not make sense. Again, just as I've shared with you guys, again, I'm going to tell the whole story of our adoption journey. But again, two years ago, Maureen and I felt that God was telling us to get ready to adopt. Right? And we, had, and we started that process. Right? And there were, there were several people within our life right, that said, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. Why are you going to do that? Right? And we're like, well, we're doing it because God told us to. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know what it's going to be. And we didn't expect it to take two years. But, but yet, right, we did it out of obedience. Again, I will tell you, there are so many times in our lives when God leads us and directs us to do something that doesn't make sense. Right? But again, we show our true devotion to God through obedience. Right, and, and, and as we obey God, then it enables God to actually work, right? And to show up and to do these miracles and all these things. And as we see Samuel, again, was obedient to that. David was obedient to things that God called him to do. Okay, things that didn't make sense. Things that, that nobody would orchestrate or plan out on their own, right? Yet that, that gives then space for God to do his work and for him to do the impossible things that we can't do on our own. But it starts with our obedience. Now we're going to continue in that story. Okay, we're going to continue to read here, picking up again, Samuel 16, verse 4. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look uh, at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, I don't know why you'd name your son that, but to step forward and to walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summed Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So as Jesse sent for him, he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. 
And then Samuel returned to Ramah. So here, David makes his entrance into the biblical narrative. Okay, and it is not one of, one of grandeur. Right, as we read this, again, for what God's going to do through this, through this guy, right, he comes onto the scene very uneventful. Right, in fact, um, we see he was even an afterthought of his dad. Right, and we see here, um, not only through Jesse, but also through Samuel, Okay, that, that in regards to God's will, it is easy to guess wrong. In regards to God's will, it's easy to guess wrong. Now, again, we, we like to do that all the time, right? We're like, and God says, okay, I'm moving. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to continue to work this. And, and we, we figure out on our own whatever God's going to do, right? And we fill in the blanks that we don't, don't, you know, God hasn't said, but like we fill in. And then we think we know exactly what God's going to do. But it's very easy to guess Wrong. In fact, we see two people in this passage guess wrong about who God is anointing. Right? First off is we see Samuel guesses wrong. Right? And we see this in verse 6. Right? When, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. He's the oldest. Right? He's, he's, he's handsome. He's strong. He's going to be a great leader. Like, I know what God's doing. And again, God, no, sorry, Samuel, you're wrong. Not him. Right? And so we can see, and then he continues to go on the right. Like, God says, nope, not him, not him. Right? Samuel guessed wrong. Okay, but as we already know and see, right, Samuel isn't the only one that guessed wrong. Jesse also guessed wrong. Right? Again, we see, in fact, Jesse fails miserably at this task that was put in front of him. Right, because we see again in verse 11, right, when it says, Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons that you have? And he says, They're still the youngest, just to reply, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Now, again, I'll tell you, as a father, I read this and think, Wow, this is a nomination for Father of the Year, right here. Right, like here, Jesse, you know, is instructed by Samuel. Now, notice in the passage, everybody knows who Samuel is within the nation of Israel. Right? They know he's his top advisor to the king. He's the connection to God. There's all of these things. He shows up in this town, and everyone's like, whoa, why is Samuel here? What's going on? Right? And then he, he comes to Jesse and says, hey, bring all your kids to this thing. Right? And Jesse doesn't bring David. Right? He doesn't even follow the instructions. Right? As, as Sam comes to him, and we see, again, um, we understand, if you're a dad, you'll understand the way Jesse probably feels in this moment. Right, because as dads, and again, I'll tell you, I'm a dad, I can poke fun at us, right, is that we do some really not very smart things with our kids sometimes. Right, when, when our, again, when our kid comes to us and says, hey, teach me how to ride my bike, right, we're like, yes, I'll show you how to ride a bike. Right, again, dads, we're, we're notorious, right, for, for doing things maybe not the right way. Right, and again, we, we, know, um, we know this. Right, in fact, and again, and I know this is coming for me because now I have a daughter, right? You know, when your daughter comes and says, hey, dad, do my hair. Hey, dad, we'll put your hair in a bun, right? And then that's exactly what you do. You put her hair in a bun, right? Um, you know, again, we think, and we all know, and again, I'll say grocery shopping's hard, but when dad takes the kids grocery shopping, like, we figure it out, right? Right, and and we, we become dad of the year, right? And we, we, we fall short so many times, right? Dads, are you with me? Am I the only one? No, all right. 
maybe a few. So again, Jesse didn't, Jesse didn't really fail as a dad. Okay, he didn't really fail as a dad. He just guessed wrong. Okay, just like Samuel, right? He, he made the same assumption that Samuel made. Right, it's like, um, again, he never thought that it would be David. Samuel guessed wrong, right? And, and again, Jesse guessed wrong, and if we're honest, we guess wrong as well when it comes to God, God's will and what he's really gonna do in our lives. Again, I will tell you, I guessed wrong about what God was gonna do in my life and lead me. Yeah, I'll tell you, even, again, if you would have asked me even five years ago if I was gonna be a lead pastor at Oregon Trail, I would, I would have told you no. In fact, that's exactly what I told that Oregon Trail. When they came, they came to me and asked me to apply to be the pastor here, and I literally told them no. Okay, and I, and, and I, as I guessed wrong. Right, and then, of course, they asked me, they're like, well, will you at least pray about it before you completely reject us? And, and I was like, well, fine, I guess I will. Um, and I did, and obviously we started that. But again, through that story, that process of how I ended up here as your pastor, okay, is again, in the midst of that process, like one of my friends made me this sign that is hanging in my office. Again, and, and I wanted that hanging in my office to remind me that I'm not the one really in charge. Right, because when it comes to God's plan and his will, I guess wrong often of what he's gonna do. Right, and we see Samuel and Jesse both guessed wrong, right? And yet they were still humble enough to say, okay, Lord, I guessed wrong. Let's figure it out. What do you really want to do? Right, and they brought David in, right? And then they anointed him. Again, it's easy to guess wrong because we don't see the whole picture the way that God does. Again, and I'll tell you now as, as your pastor is I can't imagine doing anything else. I feel incredibly blessed to be here and, and to have my family in Middleton and, and, and in this community. But yet, again, it, it was not my idea. And we all guess wrong at different points. But yet, when we realize that God sees a different picture than we see, right, then we need to know, and again, we can learn from Samuel and from Jesse and, and their blunders here when David enters the scene, that we can be, know that God can be trusted because his perspective is bigger than mine, right? If God tells me to do something that doesn't make sense, right? If he, if he says, hey, I, this is where I want your life to go, and you're like, but that's not where I want my life to go. Again, we can trust God because his perspective is bigger than mine. Again, God had a plan for David, right? And God saw David's heart and saw what he could accomplish for him, right? And he had this, this huge picture for David, and yet Samuel nor Jesse had, had a single thought that it could be David. But God can be trusted. Again, truthfully, I'm thankful that I serve a God that sees more than I can. All right, I'm thankful that I serve a God that knows more than I know. Right, because that makes him a God that is worthy of my worship and worthy of my devotion. Because he has a plan in place that I cannot see myself. And I can trust him with that. And so can you. And so did they. As we see in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says that the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I encourage you to underline that phrase, 
the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Okay, and God is the one that is ultimately the king. God is the one that is in control. And I am thankful, and I hope you are too, that we serve a God that has a bigger picture than we do. Right, and God can be trusted. God sees your potential, not your current condition. Let me say that again, because that's pretty important. God sees your potential, not your current condition. God looked at David and he saw his potential, not his current condition. Right? His, his, his current condition was youngest boy who gets all the jobs that nobody else wants and he's out with the flocks. Right? But God saw his potential. Right? And God sees your potential as well, not your current condition. Again, our faith journey includes transformation. God transforming us into something that we are not, are not right now. Becoming something that I'm not right now. Fulfilling something that I don't even think I can accomplish now. God sees your potential, not your current condition. Right? And then we learn from David, right? As, as he enters the scene and, and as this, this, this passage here in 16 concludes, Right, we see that for David and for all of us, that true success comes with God's presence. The true success comes with God's presence. Okay, as, again, we see this in 1 Samuel 16, 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he'd brought, and he anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now, this is not to say that he wasn't successful up until this point, but now his life enters a whole new level, right, as he starts to live into his full God-given potential, because his true success comes with God's presence. And this was a major turning point for David, and this started a new journey for his life, a life that we're going to spend the next several weeks learning about. So how does the life of David help my faith journey? Right, what does this do for me? Right, why are we studying his life? Why are we committing these weeks to, to go through this? Why, why do we need to, to learn from his life? Okay, so today, this is the point I want you to take today. How does it affect our faith journey? Well, because by receiving Jesus in my life, I can get the same heart that David had. Right? He was a man after God's heart. And by, by receiving Jesus in my life, by opening my life to confessing my sins to him, letting him forgive me for the power of the cross and his resurrection, by receiving him as my Savior, inviting him into my life, I get the same heart that David had. But again, the Holy Spirit was not present in every believer in the Old Testament. But now, after Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of every believer. So if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, you received him as your savior, if you've joined the journey of faith, then you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. And you have the same heart that David had. You have God's presence with you all the time. Right? We see this, this foreshadowing of what the Holy Spirit would do in our lives and given in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. And he says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart 
I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. If you are a follower of Jesus, he gives you a new heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. As a follower of Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit living within you. You are being transformed to live into your true potential, the potential that God sees in you, not your current condition. Again, David lived into what God saw in him, and so can you. And God doesn't see you in your current condition. God sees your potential. Again, what does God want you to be? What does God want you to accomplish? Right, will you use the power and the heart that he has put in you as a follower of Jesus and live 100% into your potential? Because that is God's will for you. Right, and we guess wrong and we, we don't trust and we mess it up and yet God with his grace and mercy comes and just puts us right back on the journey and says, keep going. Okay, we're going to learn from David again through these next few weeks. But here's my final thought today. And that comes out of 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. So we have stopped evaluating others from the human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from the human point of view, how differently we see him now. And this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And that's my challenge to you today and that we've, this, from this first lesson of David's life. Right, is will we live as this new creation that God makes us when we follow him? Will we live into our full potential? Your new life has begun if you've received Christ as your Savior. Again, if you have not received Christ as your Savior, I hope you will pray and receive him today. If you want somebody that, to pray with you or to lead you through that, you, you're welcome to come forward today and somebody will pray with you before you leave and, and walk you through that process. If you have received Christ as your Savior, right, then live this week as you journey in your faith into your full potential. Lord God, we do adore you this morning. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you love us. God, that you see more in us than we see in ourselves. God, I thank you, Lord, that you save us. Lord, and you transform us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray, Lord, that this week, as we continue to journey forward in our faith, God, that we would live into the full potential of what you have for us. God, continue to guide us and lead us, Lord, as we serve you with everything we have. God, as we follow David's example, God, just being willing to be used by you in whatever you call us to. Lord, as we go this week, Lord, as we worship you in every moment of our lives, Lord, be with our, our minds, be with our attitudes, be with our actions. God, that our heart can be filled with your spirit. God, we shine your light in this dark world through everything we do. God, continue to guide us this week as we go and as we worship you through, through our daily life. We love you and thank you, God, that you see our potential, not our current condition. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.